Well, Coach, we've talked about it before, but two quality opponents and two quality opponents that present challenges in different ways. A lot of people like to talk about what I call the low-hanging fruit in football, which is real easy stuff like the offense or the quarterback. And now that we're done with, quote, season one, which is our non-district season, going into season two, the district season, even though there's a bye week looming, it's a chance for some guys that have been coming out of camp maybe banged up a little bit, maybe didn't perform the way they wanted to. What's the mindset in practice ahead of Aikens coming off those two challenging opponents? The starters had to play the, the majority of the game. Obviously, we want to challenge ourselves each and every you know year we can with our non-district opponents, and we want to make sure we find out what our, what our makeup is going to be of that, that year with our football team. So we found out a bunch of positive things about our team, obviously, that we will be physical. Uh, that was the biggest obviously, surprise to me to make sure that uh, – that that never left our football team and our football program. You know, number two, I think uh, the unselfishness of our players, you know, receivers outside, being determined blockers. We talk about that all the time. Guys, you know, on defense, you know, being special teams, big-time players on our special teams. We want to make sure all of our kids understand the importance of team, understand what it takes to be successful as a team. Uh, we open up District 26 6A play, you know, tomorrow night before everybody else does. And so, you know, our kids are excited about that opportunity. They're excited to be on TV. They're excited about the fact that, you know, they're going to get to go out there and showcase their talents on, you know, on a, I guess a good quality opponent in Aikens. But we're also excited about hopefully progressing as a football team, putting a wrap on kind of this first phase of the season, this three-game series before the break next week. We want to go into the break, you know, we're feeling good about where we're at, seeing the progress. Back to the fundamentals this week, tackling, blocking, throwing, catching. We've really been teaching the game of football for the last three weeks and game plans of situational football. First and ten, third and longs, third and shorts, red zone. So now this this past week we kind of went back to the fundamentals of what makes us good: form tackling, punching and block destruction, uh, forcing turnovers on defense, on offense. You know, executing and and working on some of those finer plays that take uh, take reps to develop. You say the word football team, and you've said something the last the last two conversations, coach. That's really kind of stood out to me is not just the guys that start, not the guys that are the backups the entire football team from top to bottom, including the attack team. We're developing depth, not just at certain positions. We want to have depth across the entire football team. You know, the, those of us that are that are outside looking in kind of look at that and go, what does he mean? Well, it means guys like Elliot Chopper come in and make plays. Right. And it means guys that get opportunities like an Andrew Lindley, who's never played a varsity down, to right. get in and make plays. We know this is a physical sport, and uh, along the way, hopefully we get to play 17 weeks and, you know, 16 games in those 17 weeks. And there's going to be bumps and bruises along the way. Unfortunately, there's probably going to be season-ending injuries as well. We've learned from firsthand experience that, you know, it takes depth at uh, your position groups in order to sustain, you know, 16, 17 uh, week, you know, practices and games. And so we sell that to our kids. They understand that. We want to make sure that obviously if somebody happens to go down, that the standard is not lower just because, you know, our starter at that position went down. Yeah, granted, the guy was a starter probably for a reason because he was talented and did everything we asked him to do when making plays on the field. But there's also a guy right behind him that's getting half the reps, you know, same same amount of reps as he is just with the twos. And they're developing. A lot of times those are younger players, you know, that uh, maybe up in the varsity as sophomores or first-time varsity players as juniors or even, you know, every year we have two or three, you know, first-time senior varsity football players that are all district players, you know. We've had an all-state player as a senior first-time starter. So those stories are out there. Those are opportunities are out there for guys like Lindley, for guys, you know, like Ty Ingermeiser who stepped in after week one and st- started playing a lot and, and – uh, you're going to start seeing more and more of those names emerge, you know, really in the special teams. And then hopefully, you know, if we get a chance to, to, to get these guys in the game and meaningful reps, we're going to try to take advantage of that opportunity.
honestly, you brought this up in Three and Out Club, and it, it couldn't be more appropriate because while I watched it live, the end of the, the LSU-Florida State game, when you brought it up in Three and Out Club on Tuesday that the Westlake football team, it doesn't take special teams for granted. And it's not to suggest that other people do. It's just very clear on game day who works and who works very hard at perfecting the craft of playing special teams and how important and field position actually is. And you start looking at guys that play well on special teams, and we can talk all day about what Grady Bartlett was able to do over the the last two weeks, and we can talk about what Jaden Greathouse was able to do just because he's Jaden Greathouse. But in the end, just because other people have issues with special teams, we we are not responsible for their lack of preparation on that side of the ball. If we are prepared, then whatever happens, happens. Because I think people lose sight of the fact that there are two special team units on the field. First and foremost, I get credit to uh, Blake Dunham, our special teams coordinator. Uh, he puts in countless hours, you know, in, in designing a game plan that puts our kids in successful spots. Secondly, obviously the kids that are on special teams, it's it's, it's the stars on offense, the stars are defense. And then obviously there's select roles within those special teams where we get those role-type players. We like to call those guys our core players, guys that are all about being a Westlake Chaparral. This may be their 10 or 12 reps in the game, is getting in the football game as, as a specialist on the special teams. You know, special teams to me is that unifier between offense and defense. It doesn't matter whether you wear a white jersey in practice or a blue jersey in practice. It, we're all out there with for the W on the side of the helmet when we're playing special teams. And that's the message we try to send to our kids every single Friday night every time we tee it up. Is This is a representation of Westlake High School football. And everything we do, we're going to try to do it to the very best of our ability, regardless of the opponent. Regardless of the opponent's you know, level of preparation, we know what our expectations are. We know that we're striving to get better from, from this week over last week. And so as long as our kids continue to stay there, we, we look at those as opportunities to make plays in the game. And there are game-changing plays that are made on special teams. And I think our kids have bought into that. They understand that, and obviously we devote the time and the attention to that to make sure that uh, that holds true here at Westlake. Well, I think it was on display in the region final against Vandergriff last year. It was also on display the first two games. Even with quality opponents, you're still getting through. You said something there that's really interesting. It's a representation of offense and defensive players come together to achieve a goal. That's shades of attack team stuff. Hey, we care just as much about special teams as we do the attack team, as we do the defense, as we do the offense. The inclusion there... I think does a lot for the mental part of a player's makeup and a mindset going into a football game. Absolutely. It's teaching these kids to be unselfish. And in today's world, today's society, it's always about about me, right? What can somebody else do for me? What kind of attention can I get for me? It's a way for us to put those egos on the back burner for all of our football players, for all of our coaches, and say, hey, here's just another phase in the game that will not go unnoticed. We will make sure that we are prepared every single week. And we're going to play our best players. And then we're also going to find, like I said, those roles – um, there's opportunities for players that are twos and threes, you know, in our depth chart to go out there and impact the game, you know, and, and make a big time play, blocking a kick, you know, having a great block on a kickoff return, you know, making sure that we flip the field on punt coverage. Those things, those aren't taken for granted here. Those are just as important as a as a sack by a defensive end. Those are just as important as a, you know, a downfield block by a receiver that leads to, you know, a 50-yard run by the running back. It's the only phase of our game where we all as a whole team watch collectively together. If we're going to talk about it, then we're going to live. We're going to live like it, and that's what we do around here. And I think, obviously, early through two games has paid dividends, and we hope that it continues throughout the season. The forty-seven to fourteen score might not 
everybody says, well, what was that game? Well, there was a ton of stuff going on in that right. game that really challenged you. Obviously, you have the talent in Anthony Evans, and you have all of the D1 players and the athleticism team speed. That didn't go away. Just because they didn't get in the end zone, it, it didn't go away. There was still that threat was very much there. But what's that one thing that you learned from week two to week three going in preparation for Akins? We need to start faster. Again, two weeks in a row. It was cleaner, obviously, on special teams and on offense. I mean, defense went out there. and it, It's one of those fluke plays. I don't think it was any one person's fault. It was kind of a duck ball thrown to the air that was misjudged, you know, timed up to hopefully be an interception and ends up ends up catching it and going 77 yards for a touchdown. But still, the result is a result, regardless of how it happened. There was seven points scored against our first defense to start the game for the second week in a row. So obviously that's a little irking for us, you know, our kids and our coaches. We write that wrong this week. But obviously it was important to see that our special teams, right after we got down 7 to nothing, we returned the kick out to about the plus minus 45-yard line with great field position. Man, I mean, two plays later, it's 51 yards to Jaden Greathouse over the top for a touchdown, you know, tie it up. And we're right back in the game. We took all the momentum back from them. Complimentary football, uh, which we want. We want, and we, our kids want to understand that we have to have each other's back. We're not always going to play great on defense. We're not always going to play great on offense. And the other two phases need to make sure they pick up the slack for the, the side of the ball that's you know maybe um, not executing to our standards at that point in time. It was good to see those two phases had our back, and, and I think that's what we need to get better at: starting faster, starting faster in all three phases. You know, get a stop on defense, get a great punt return or punt block, and then go score on offense. And I want to see something like that early on in this football game, and that shows to me that our kids are paying attention to what we're trying to get taught to them. And we speak of Akins, obviously uh, Joe Sachs in his second year as head coach and had what only can be described as a record year last year. Obviously a lot of talent up front uh, that may not be back, but nonetheless, despite their 0-2 start, this is a team that is always going to do better with less than most teams do. And that's one thing that I think is kind of scary when you think about Akins in preparation. And as a, as a fan, how do we motivate? Well, you motivate by saying, look, they're a team just like anybody else. And I think this is the week where respect to your opponent goes up to an 11, where you just turn it all the way up. There's no doubt. I think uh, those exact words been used to our kid in our field house for the last three days is respecting, obviously, this great game of football, respecting each and every single opponent we play every single week, prepping for the opportunity to go out there and make plays. The last thing we want is obviously to have a sloppy football game because of lack of preparation, or quality preparation. They answered the bell on Monday when everybody else is enjoying Labor Day. They were, you know, three hours in that sun, you know, getting after it and had good long practice. Uh, and then yesterday morning, they're up at, you know, 5.30 in the morning getting after it as well. So I feel good about the work to this point. I think our kids have proven to me by their demeanor and their work ethic this week that they are locked into this football game. It's about us this week. It's about, yes, it's, it's the Aiken Seagulls, and yes, they have quality players. We ourselves are striving to improve on that start defensively from the last two weeks. We ourselves are, are trying to work on executing a higher level of offense, you know, with, with bigger pass plays maybe down the field. Uh, we on special teams still have a chance to go out there and maybe return a punt, another punt for a touchdown. Or We've gotten close on a kickoff return or two already this season. We need to finish one of those. So there's plenty of areas, obviously, we need to work on and continue to fix. You know, we don't ever want to take away for granted for these kids the opportunity they get to play high school football. Uh, and hopefully that uh, we go out there and represent, um, you know, Westlake High School the right way. And, and I think to, through three days, these kids have been prepping the right way. Final thought, Coach the first weekend of college football. And it's no, I know as a staff, you don't necessarily get to watch all the games. Mm -hmm. But as a guy that's been involved with these kids that got a chance to play 
At, it doesn't matter if it's at Division One level, Division Two level, Division Three level. No matter where. I mean, you've got guys in New Hampshire. You got guys, you know, upstate New York. You got guys that uh, you know went cross country all the way to Stanford, Kyle Field. You've got guys uh, right here at DKR. As a coach, when you watch people that have worked their tails off in this program and then take that to the next level, how does that make you feel as a coach? It makes you feel like a proud dad. You know, it's like, uh, you know, my son's only six years old, and I'm so proud of the little things he does right in his life, but I can only imagine what their parents are feeling like when they see their 18, 19, 21-year-old, you know, sons doing these amazing things in college. And every single Saturday or Friday night, whenever they're playing college football games now, we're always looking for those those you know, former shaps and wishing them well and making sure we're trying to watch if they get the opportunity to play. And so far, so good. I've seen a lot of them, you know, impact their teams already at an early part in the season. So things are looking up. We know, obviously, they could play because they played a heck of – they were a heck of football players for us here at Westlake. And it's good to see them have success at the next level and continue to develop into great young men. And they're going to be the leaders of our world. I mean, I mean, look at the David Dickersons of the world that, you know, was a West Point – Sprint football team captain and the highest GPA. And now we got Leo Lowen. I think he is the highest GPA in the actual football team, as well as a starting well linebacker, defending our country. And we had Sage Luther going across to Colgate and Austin McClendon went and played Stanford last week. There's five or six, actually, you know, chaparrales down the road here at Austin, you know, that got into football games the other night. Brings a smile to my face, obviously some uh, some comfort uh, and some warmth to my heart because these guys all meant so much to us. They still do. We're so happy and proud of them. And uh, we're their biggest fans here in Austin, Texas. Well, I think a lot of people at the next level would take the Westlake culture in a heartbeat. There's no doubt. I mean, heck, Drew Willoughby up in, in New Hampshire was dang player of the week. I mean, so, so many good stories all across this country. I, I'm leaving some guys out. Nakia rushed for 118 yards last week at Washington State. It's fun to see. And then we get the Ivy League starting up this week, and we'll we'll add some more chaparrales to that mix with, with Halverson and Maru and so many of the quality players that are playing football still. We wish them all the best, and, uh, and the Shaps will be rooting them on. Coach, as always, thanks for the time and good luck. You got it. Thanks, Joe.